Greetings and salutations. The Boss Lady Coaching Podcast is brought to you by Fort Knox Federal Credit Union. People helping people. Visit fortknoxfcu.org. At Fort Knox Federal Credit Union, we've got your back through all of life's biggest moments. Like when your daughter looks in the mirror at the bridal shop and says, This is the one. When you walk through a home that you want to make your own. This is the one. Or when he tours the campus for the first time. This is the one. Fort Knox Federal Credit Union has money to lend for each of life's precious moments with low-rate loans for every celebration. Stop by a branch or visit fortknoxfcu.org for more information. Equal Opportunity Lender. Hi, it's Holly Sexton for the Boss Lady Coaching Podcast. Check us out at Boss Lady Coaching on Facebook and Instagram and bethebosscoaching.com. Plus, you can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud and share it easily. Thanks so much. We're talking to Laura Hardy. We went to Louisville to the Eagle and sat down in her radio station to talk about what it's like to rock her morning show. Megan Stith is along with me for this ride. We'll join it in progress. Enjoy and share. Thank you for staying late for us to chat. Um, yeah. I'm so excited for you because you have been running your own morning show for how long now? Um, solo two years. I've been a part of the Eagle for four years now, and I think I am the only and the only ever solo female morning show in Louisville history. Um, it's just it's not really a thing that happens very often. You do, you have it's it's always the sidekick. Or, or you might be with someone else, maybe another girl. Um, I don't even think we've had that here in this market, honestly, but... Uh, I, I lucked into it. I'm blessed. The Eagle really took a step out and said, you know what? You do this. See what happens. And we got number one first book out, and it was just complete insanity. So I'm, I'm very thankful to have the opportunities I've had to do what I can do. I think you're downplaying it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that thing is, I like the, like, in Louisville history. Like, that's kind of a big deal. Well, yeah. Well, it's, and, you know, it, I don't think of it that way because I don't like to put myself in a category if I'm a chick. Because in radio, it's like when you put yourself in that category, you kind of... You alienate yourself because there aren't a lot of chicks in radio. No, you just say I'm here to play, and you show up. Yeah, I'm equal to you, and and as long as you you know play just as hard as the dudes do, they don't notice either way most of the time. And if they do, those are the ones that don't last anyway. I mean, that's yeah. what seems amazing about just the fact that we have two professional female broadcasters in a room right now. It's <laughs> like what percentage of, and I'm just genuinely curious, like how many other female women broadcasters are in this area? Mm, we're growing. Fortunately, yeah, fifty percent, right? <laughs> I mean, there's there's a few good opportunities in Louisville itself. I know that E Town's got a handful. There's not a lot of female broadcasters. I don't even know that we have any in my old building. Um, but here in Louisville, I mean, DJX is mostly all female. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we used to be mostly female. We're now like fifty fifty because we've got Teresa who was doing middays and now she does weekends with me. And you do see a lot of females in middays. Yeah, but traditionally, kind of yeah. And and that's the thing about radio; it has been really resistant to change. Yeah. Um, and you see that traditional male lead with mm-hmm. the female. And when you and I were messaging messaging each other back and forth, and you mentioned the giggle box. I had to think yeah. about that for a minute. And I started out as a giggle box. Now yeah. I started out in news, but to become part of that morning show, it was just a reactor to what was happening. Oh yeah. And that can work for a little while, but you can't be authentic to yourself 
and be a, a giggle box. You yeah. can't sustain it. it no, doesn't, it, and it doesn't happen. It's you not grow resentful fulfilling. and unhappy, and because you're not able to express any thought at all, you're just a laugh track. I'd yeah. rather just there just be a button. That, oh, they, yeah. that they push, you know, or just not even do it. I mean, there's morning shows that have people just there to laugh, and that drives me nuts anyway on a different, whole different other level. But I was, I was a sidekick to start, and and when they initially got rid of my host, the whole plan was we're gonna find you a new host. It wasn't, hey, how about you try it, or hey, it's like no, we'll find you another host, and then. They kind of had me fill in an interim, and then the, the, the just the numbers flipped, and they were like, "Okay, well, it's cheaper to leave you alone." So, <laughs> I mean, that is radio. I was going to ask the key to success in, in making that transition is being cheap. <laughs> yeah, they like it when you're cheap. Uh, no, I mean, but I think I also found a way to prove that there was the stereotype that to be on classic rock, you got to be a dude. You got to talk to dudes. You got to do. I've got the oh, best dude numbers in town. Yes, and, and I don't. And I don't. I don't sit there and do sexy talk. I don't talk about I'm not wearing panties or anything. Like I, I, I'm a respectful, normal human being of a woman, and it works. Yeah. And it's just proof that it's that, that stereotype is nonsense, and it's time to die with it already. I agree. I think about that '70s show, Hot Donna. Yeah. Do you remember when <laughs> yes. they? She wanted to be a broadcaster, and they were like, "The only place for you is to shove you in a bikini and send you out to remotes." That's yeah, it. That's you know? it. That's all you can do. And so you're either a giggle box box or you're a hot Donna. That's yeah. the only things that you can. We are be. getting so many good uh, <laughs> terms out of this insider episode. radio. I had never lingo. heard of any of uh, the. <laughs> Giggle box, I will admit that was, I, I figured exactly what she meant right away, but I had never heard it put that way, but completely see what you mean, just in terms of listening and seeing how women could be pigeonholed that way yeah. so easily. And you're right, that opportunity that came up, and instead of them saying, well, duh, duh, yeah, how many years experience do you have? I mean, why, it, it would make so much sense because you're part of the landscape already. Yeah. But instead, it was like, well, we have to find somebody. We have to find a dude that no one knows to make sure because <laughs> you can't do this. I mean, <laughs> they, they weren't like that. I mean, honestly, my local bosses really believed in it from the start. And, and neither of them Because they knew were, you knew you. Yeah. relationship. And they knew you. I got it. And they knew where I came from. And, you know, in my other markets, my bosses always were like, you're the Swiss Army knife. You can do anything. Like, we can leave you alone here and you will fix everything and we don't have to worry about anything. And so... My bosses here knew that, and it was convincing the people out of town that don't know what's going on. Yeah, you know? corporate's always dif- difficult when that <laughs> yes. comes in. Because they're, they're like, like, hey, I don't know. I know you don't know me, but I got it. Like, I got this <laughs> under control. Just give me a little while. And like I said, thankfully, I guess because they were moving too slow, it worked out in my favor, which, you know, it's just, when it happens, it happens. And it's been really great. And we've maintained a really great audience in the last two years and I don't see anything slowing down anytime soon, which is great. So that's fantastic. I'm yeah. so proud of you. And, excited. you. and I knew you could do it from the get. <laughs> so, um, what was that process like for you to go from uh, relying on a person and then relying on you in that two person, very special, very different relationship? Oh yeah. Basically a work husband, work wife type of situation. Sure. What was it like to transition? Did you, did you have anxiety about it? Oh, yeah. Was it like, what was that like? Well, I never at any point in my... I always wanted to do radio growing up. Always, always, always. But I was always like, I'll be middays or afternoons, you know, because that's what chicks do, and, and that's easy, and I'm not funny, and I'm not that creative and all of that. And so I had that thought in my mind, and when they kind of blew up the morning show, because it was out of nowhere. Our ratings were good. It was it was some behind-the-scenes nonsense that couldn't have been predicted and was unfortunate across the board. But um, when they blew up the morning show... It was kind of like, well, I can't do this. 
I don't, I can like make some noises for a couple of weeks, but I'm going to run out of ideas really quick. And that, and that panicked feeling that you have. Yeah, you're like, I'm like, not, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's what I told people. I went on the air and I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. Please be patient with me. I'll figure it out. And so they you were, were vulnerable. I was, I was honest about it. It was scary and terrifying. And it's like, cause especially when you're in a, a position like that, when you know that it's make or break, cause radio is very cruel in the sense that if you don't step up there and knock it out of the park, you don't get second chances a lot of times, especially in a market as big as this one, because we're 53, 54, 55. Um, and so we're one of the top ones in the country. We're the top in our in our company. We're the biggest market. So it's like, you don't get to play radio here, little girl. You know, you've got you to gotta do this right or, or go home. And so I said, I'm going to do this. And I guess I did. So it's like, so I still don't know what I'm doing. That's why I tell people, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It just, it's going really well so far. So how do you maintain, <laughs> you're doing great. You can tell. <laughs> how do you maintain, because I, I think that pressure of always being on and always being creative and yeah. always having that next idea, how do you keep your tank refueled with ideas to keep you going? I write everything down. Because, like, the second something stupid pops in my head, I practically will derail my day to write it down for later. Um, I have a lot of... I take a lot of inspiration out of other things. And then, like, in radio, you have things that are, like, what we call benchmarks, which are, like, your things you do every single day or every one day a week or whatever. And so, like, by building a few of those for myself, like, What the Florida, which is all just me making fun of Florida the whole time, it's it's easy. Ah, ah, I just fill oh in that blank every day. Oh yeah, that's my most popular benchmark. I know because we're on at the we're same, at the same time. time, so I don't get so, to listen to your show. Yeah, no, I do what the Florida, which is just me making fun of Florida, and it's it. it I told my bosses when I started doing it, they're like, "How long are you going to do this?" And I was like, "When the day I Google Florida man and nothing comes up, I'll stop." It's not your Two fault. Two years deep. It's not my fault. They do it every single day, and I have not run out of material yet, and I've not had to repeat anything, nothing. Like, every single morning, Florida has done something real messed up, and it's a guarantee. <laughs> At least it's not Kentucky. We yeah. usually get to lead on a lot of that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, when I, I'll, when I, whenever someone, you know, nationally makes the, the news locally, I'm like, come on, we're not Florida. Get it together. We're better than this. And so it, it's worked out well, but it... You know, it's, it's there's mornings I get up and I five minutes before I'm gonna open the mic, I have no idea what I'm gonna say. It always works out. Something comes out, but mm-hmm. it it's easy to get burnt out, especially this time of the year is when it gets the hardest because I've been running and running and running for months without a day off, and um, it's like that's why it's like I'm ready for hibernation mode because it's like you know we we just had Via Glory um, October's hugely hugely busy for us here at the Eagle between. All of our football games, all of our remote broadcasts, all that kind of stuff. And I've been the only one here for the last couple of months because we're doing a search for a sidekick for me mm-hmm. on the afternoon part of the day. And so um, it's it's been crazy. But So when the schedule goes up, it's like, Laura. Laura. Oh, yeah. Laura. I'm, well, Laura. people are like, did anyone else know you're the only one here? <laughs> <laughs> Because it's Rick's interim, and so he's not doing any of that stuff. And, and I love the Swiss Army knife analogy. I can't yeah. really see where that fits you. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's Well, I, I kind of, when I went to college, that was one of the one things I prided myself. Because I could see, you know, as a millennial going into the, the workspace as I did, I knew I've got to know a lot of stuff or I'm not going to survive. And they kind of beat that into our heads once everything flipped with the economy in 2009. They were like, the most important thing you could do 
is to be able to do anything. So that way when someone else's job gets eaten or something, unfortunately you can step up and, and make yourself valuable because it's the people who only do one thing that are the first to go. The specialists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then and, and I think that's part of radio culture. Yeah. Because of budgets. Yeah. Um, they operate with such a, a low um, on your your product actually what you see usually is those people that are actually your product are being paid the least out of everyone general. in the building yeah and everyone else is paid at a higher grade and so um, what you learn how to do is everything yeah because if something messes up I mean you are you're fixing the coffee pot and you're <laughs> and you're writing orders for sales oh you know, yeah whatever you need to do um, you're doing traffic or you're doing um, name it I mean news you're but the great part about that is you become this versatile utility person where they just plug you in wherever they need you and that provides stability but also I think fulfillment because there are some days where you're just like I'm going to do this whole thing, other thing that I never get to do. Yeah. Instead of, I just don't think at this point I could work in a cubicle. No, God And do no. an office space kind of situation. No, I would because lose my mind. Because it is like, oh, well, we need you to plug and play here and, yeah. you know, and that kind of thing. And it's like, wow, my job was really cool today. I help people raise money for sick kids or, you know, whatever. It's just that part of it, I think, is is the passion. Yeah. part of it and and gets you through the days where you're trying to figure out how the printer works and you're like wait a minute I'm not supposed to be this is not, this my, is job. not my job this is not my pay grade <laughs> but I'm gonna figure it out <laughs> but, but I'm going figure to it figure out. it out yeah and <laughs> honestly I kind of I thrive in those sorts of environments anyway so I think that's why radio always worked well with me because I like a challenge I I I want to be put to the test and I want because I get bored and I think if, if I'm not changing and moving and evolving and doing something different, I get I feel stale and stagnant, and it just makes me grumpy. Mm-hmm. And so I think radio has always given me the opportunities to kind of stretch my legs and do whatever I want and to run. And I've been thankful to work for a company, especially here, that really says, go. Go do it. We'll tell you when to stop. Like, that was a bad boss that's tummy. great. And that so doesn't happen a lot. Like, run. Your yeah. leash is super long. Oh, so. yeah. They're like, yeah, just don't say it. any bad words that'll cost us money, and then we'll, <laughs> we're fine. You know, don't make fun of anybody too hard, and we'll be fine. And, and, you know, but I worked for a company before that was like, talk about the gas prices, and we'll fire you because those people pay for all the ads in town and stuff like that. And that's the reality of some radio and some companies that, that take the, the money over the product. You know, and that's not a good place to be. And most companies don't do as well usually when they do that. So I agree. There's a lot to be said about authenticity and, yeah. like you said, vulnerability. Um, can we go back to benchmarks for a minute? And this yeah. is something that is applicable to everyone listening. Um, benchmarks are something we all need to establish. We have them in radio, but they're so um, they're so important. We hear it over and over from listeners. I need this. I need to hear this at this time of the morning or whatever. Yeah. Um, establishing those things, like for instance, the braver by the day, that can be a benchmark for somebody. So, what's a benchmark you have in in your daily life, Megan? Um, <laughs> my first thought is uh, some of my more unhealthy habits, like my hash brown and diet coke in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> that's a benchmark. <laughs> for your body doesn't yeah. mean it's not healthy for your sanity yeah. and that's okay sometimes yeah. yeah honestly like there are small things like that that sound really silly but it is kind of that self-care where I know in, at that point in my morning I have 45 minutes to look forward to in my commute where I'm gonna get to listen to podcasts yeah. or the radio or uh, music and have that me time so I, I think um, that's one of my uh, habits I really look forward to is 
while some people hate their commute, I have an awesome, just clear <laughs> drive two times a day and getting to use that for whatever I want to use it for, that's pretty darn liberating and, and gives you that time to be thinking about what did I do well today or what do I need to accomplish tomorrow and that time to reflect back. So I'm just really lucky that I have a lot of that time built in, which I know is sometimes hard for other people to find and carve out in their day. Sure. Is that <laughs> No, that's, <laughs> no, that's totally that's benchmarks. <laughs> No, that's perfect. And, you know, I, I when I worked down in Elizabethtown, I actually drove from Louisville down there. And that was my favorite part of the day was that hour drive to work and back. Because that was the time when I cranked up the radio and I had my inside my head monologues of stupid crap I needed to work out. And, and it was just, it was like, it was a liberating time. And it sounds so boring and stupid, but I missed having that commute when I started working in Louisville. Because I'm like, oh, I'm already at work. I didn't get to work any of that stuff out inside. Yeah, all your stuff in my Yeah, now I'm gonna yell at people when I walk in the door. Great. No, it's not like that. But you know, write down those ideas. Yeah, and it, it makes you. I don't know. It's it's nice quiet time that I think everybody deserves and may not be able to get at times, unfortunately, mm-hmm. especially when you're a parent or you're doing multiple jobs or you just in general, if your life's busy, you don't. It's hard to t- carve that time out. It may not be not for want. It may be just because you just don't have it. And the per- perk of my weird habit is that now I have this Pavlovian response when I go through the McDonald's drive-through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anytime you go through it, it, it kind of mentally puts you in a good spot. So I don't know. That's uh, it, it's. I guess there's worse habits you could have. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I sure. That makes sense. Um, you mentioned there's so many things. I'm like, I want to ask you 10 million things. Uh, <laughs> one thing that we haven't talked about was um, some of the awards that you've received. This yeah. is, I know, you don't like <laughs> to so brag, about brag on yourself. Let's talk about some of the awards that you have and how, how you think you got them and, and how the community responded to those awards? Um, I was a finalist for both the Best of Louisville and the uh, Leo Weekly Awards, which are like the two big ones when you're in media. You know, they don't really give out a lot of awards to us because, I mean, we we have a great job. We don't need to be rewarded <laughs> most of the time, but um, they're both popularity contests. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's like when you're the little fish in a big pond in the sense of there's some big personalities in this market. You know, you've got Terry Miners, you've got Laura Shine, you've got Ben and Kelly, you've got um, you know, the folks over at AMZ, there's all sorts of really big dingo who's here in this building with me. There's all sorts of really big personalities in this market. And for people to go out of their way and say, that's, that's what I, that's what I listen to it. Like it, it's really awesome. It makes it, it's rewarding. Cause with radio, you get no response. You're talking at a wall. And so like, I'm laughing at my own jokes and I have no idea if anyone else is laughing. <laughs> I'm a crazy person. And I'm like, <laughs> Was that actually funny or am I an idiot? Like, and so, and so when you when you get something like that, it, it it gives you some sort of gratification and knowledge of okay, I'm not a total moron. Like, people actually do like me, and I guess it's okay, you know. It's nice to have something besides the ratings. Yeah, I think. Well, and the ratings are so flaky. I mean, it's all. It's right when you're on top. It's right when you're on top, and it's flaky <laughs> otherwise. But honestly, no, even when I'm on top, I don't trust it a lot because it's all. I mean, if you don't know about radio ratings in in this specific area, they're little journals that people fill out and, and like it's all paper journals yeah they like, mail it to and mail you like a little yeah, journal. I wondered how that works yeah, yeah and so they mail you a little diary and they give you like three bucks and they're like tell us what you listen to oh, and wow. if you have no idea what you listen to you're gonna write down whatever the hell you think you listen to which is a part of the problem 
So if you've got a big country station in your market, say, and you're the little guy, half the time they might think they're listening to the big guy when they're listening to you, and you get no credit for it. At all. Uh, and they have to write it down a certain way based yeah. on your yeah, imaging. that's super reliable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah right? Oh, it's not. And the types of people, it's not to sound awful, but the types of people that are willing to spend time to write in a diary for $3 or not exactly like, it's not everybody. It's not, not everybody's the demo advertisers are looking for. No. And mainly, I don't know about for your group, and I know they talk a lot about males, but I think that is going away too. I yeah. think we're seeing so much, um, like for instance, for our demographic, it's uh, female 25 to 54, but we know that at least half of our audience is male. I yeah. Mean, it, it, or we're talking grandmas, grandpas, grandkids, kids, parents. Um, so the demo is they shrink it for advertising, but it's so much bigger than that. Oh, yeah. And, like, we're not talking about rock meathead guys. We're no. talking, to, like, your audience. Business owners. Yeah, I've got business owners, bigger. normal, regular people, you know? And, and with a rock audience, people are like, they're all on meth. And it's like, no, it's not. And they're all 18-year-old guys putting yeah. iron in their basement. You know, yeah. that's not what's up No, what you're doing. And, and with the diaries, too, they weight them, which means that, so if... Ten women and one guy fill out diaries. The one guy's vote is worth just as much as the ten women. Hmm. So one guy could say he listens to one rock station. The other rock station had no one listened to it that period, which is not true or realistic or or. And so they and just so one go, more way. Yes, and some people take the three dollars and don't fill out anything. Out. I got sent one last year, and I brought it here, and I'm like, I'm self policing. Take this away from me. I want no. I want no way that I could be blamed for this. I did take the three dollars, so yeah, I didn't like give it. them the three dollars. <laughs> I did throw the rest away here, though. You bought a cappuccino. I did. Okay. I turned myself to some Starbucks down the street. It was great. Um, no, yeah, it's kind of illegal. It's definitely little, unethical. Definitely to, to take the diary. Yeah, no, I would never do it. And if they catch you, you can get into like serious no. trouble. Oh yeah, well there was a guy in Florida who was who got like. His dental assistant ended up with one or something. His dentist's dental assistant ended up with one, and he, like, made national news and got fired and is, like, barred from radio forever. What the Florida? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the guy's name is Bubba the Love Sponge. What a terrible name. Like, he, do you even try? <laughs> I mean, I'm regular, but dear Lord, at least I'm not a love sponge. It's okay, <laughs> I have to ask, and some of our podcast listeners wanted to know, why are you regular? Because we think that you're extraordinary. So Thank why are you, you regular, Laura? Um, it all started because Carter, who's my old co-host and now my boyfriend, um, I was his traffic reporter, and so he always had a habit of calling anybody traffic whoever, and it was just a running joke, and so... I started as the traffic reporter, and then when I became part of the show, I became regular Laura. Cause I was so you were traffic, traffic Laura. Laura. And then I became regular Laura, and he said he was going to call me up for like three days as a joke. And then it just kind of stuck, and, and even when he was gone, I'm like, crap, this is established. Like, I can't drop this. This is who I am. This is my life now. I live in this bubble of regular, and I think it's fun, honestly. It kind of, it, it helps distinguish me from other people a little bit more, and it's it's a branding thing now, just like the purple hair. Like, I... I'm so tired of dyeing my hair purple, but I'm not going to stop. It's, you know, it's, it's who I am now at this point. So it's it's kind of how people are able to recognize you. you got to have something to grab out of them. So. What's, Megan's, I, I think it's her jewelry these days. You're like really <laughs> rocking that. You know? I appreciate that. I don't know if it's a trademark just yet. But. I think it's getting there to say, because you'll see Megan sometimes and she looks like um, Grace from Annie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm just like, <laughs> do you have my 
my bird skull <laughs> ring on That is it. badass, it's, though. It's exactly. It's my favorite thing I've bought in a while, because it does kind of make you just go into a meeting when you're like, I'm literally wearing a skull right yeah. now, and you have no like, idea. You, <laughs> like, you things. can't mess with me. Yeah, it just makes you feel a little powerful when you're like, yes, I will crush whatever is about to happen. So there is some confidence, I think, that comes with the right, whatever that thing is. So, I don't know, bird skull Megan doesn't really have a good ring to it. Well, speaking of that, I, I work with some baby boomers, and I've had several conversations in the office. So I was like, I really like to wear my nose ring. How do you feel about that? We had an event, and and they were just like, eh, probably not, because their perception is the people in at their age would think that that was unprofessional. So I don't know how I feel about that now. I think we're moving away. I think we're like way past taken, that. Um, in some circles, but, yeah. But sometimes in context, I'll feel like I can't really be myself in the way I want to dress or the way I want to express myself outwardly. Sure. You know, um, and it, it it has a lot to do with the decision makers who in are sometimes. 20 years older yeah, yeah. than I am and they would see that and maybe not take it me seriously or see your hair or see Megan's jewelry or you know her, her cosplay and be like mm, I don't know about that it's a little different oh yeah I don't know what to do with that well and I have noticed in the last year people have gotten way better about my hair like at first it was like you're a delinquent aren't you like what do you do with your life that you have purple hair you must be unemployed you're crazy um but like even as much as like a few months ago, I was out. I, I've had like older women stop me and tell me, "Your hair is awesome. I wish I could do that." And I'm like, "Do it. It's the greatest decision I ever made. I love it. It's liberating. It's fun. It makes me be. I feel like me. I feel like my hair is not brown. My hair is purple. Like this is me. You know. And it's it's a pain to maintain, but it's it's fun. And I think that. But feeling like you can turn yourself inside out. Yeah. Which is really difficult in a professional environment. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of times it is like that where, you know, someone's like, well, you have purple hair. I'm not respecting your opinion. And thankfully, I do work in an industry where having purple hair doesn't discount my ability to push buttons, I guess. It doesn't make any difference. No one sees me. So it doesn't matter. But uh, it's, you know, it, it can be discouraging. Because, I mean, there's been times when, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time looking a certain way can get you in trouble. Like, I... I will not say what part of town I was in as to not discriminate against that police force, but there was one morning I went to Thornton's at 4 a.m. to get gas, and I walked in the door, and there was a an officer in front of me, and he, like, put his hand on his gun like I was going to rob the place because it was a nicer part of town. And so I was just like, I'm just getting gas, dude. Like, I'm going to work. I'm not. I'm a respectable person. Don't let the purple hair fool you. I'm actually a decent human. You may already know who I am and not even realize it, so please don't so shoot you might, me. Yeah. It's like a scary. visceral yeah. reaction. Yeah. It's like, if you just snuck up on me, it's four in the morning and you have purple hair. I'm like, I swear I'm not a delinquent. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's what I do. And they're like, what are you doing in this part of town? Yeah. yeah that's, that's difficult. Yeah. So how do you deal with that pressure of other people's expectations? I mean, I think that's really something that both of you really must deal with a lot being public figures and having people have a certain image of you that yeah maybe isn't always you know really who you are it's it's not that bad because I try to be authentically me to a fault so I don't have to like a lot of people will be a much nicer version of themselves and so they have to like you know do this whole song and dance when they see people but I'm really me most of the time and so I think that's a large part of my success you know is is my authenticity but it it gets stressful at times because like you can be in such a bad mood and that's like when everybody sees you and like you don't get to be in a bad mood 
when you're someone everyone knows. You don't get to kick rocks. No, you don't get to have a frumpy day at Walmart. You don't get to, like, those things that you took in for advantage before, you know, you started a career path like this. And, like, most of the time, you know, people will, I've had people be like, that's regular Laura, like, right behind me. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) And they just look at you like you're crazy. But it's like, I can hear you. I can hear you. Just say hi. (laughs) It's really cool. I like it when you see me. Please say hi always. But it's like. I'm not important. <laughs> I'm a normal person with a cool job. Like yes, it's, that's exactly how I feel. I'm a normal person with a cool job, yeah. and, and I have all these opportunities. Um, <laughs> I met a lady who was considered a pillar of the community in Elizabethtown once, and I was so excited to meet her because I'd heard so many wonderful things about her. And I walked up to her, and a friend introduced me, and she goes, "Oh, well, you are not what I expected." What does that mean? It it was, and my heart just sunk, and and that would it would irritate me now. At that point, it really hurt my feelings. But now, you know, it's like a compliment. (laughs) Yeah, like oh, you betcha. I think that that kind of pressure. We all have it, though. We all have that pressure to have a public face and a private face. Um, But I think. In some ways, being on the air and being impartial, and particularly being in news, has given me a little bit of a luxury. Um, and this is some, um, um, I'll just say privilege. I have the privilege of not expressing my opinion about politics. I have yeah, the privilege. Yeah, at this point, it is a privilege. It is a privilege. <laughs> um, because we are to remain impartial. And boy, does it safeguard us from a lot of attacks Mm -hmm. and so I will say it from a point of privilege but before it was a point of of just being impartial uh, particularly in journalism Uh, so yay yeah exactly (laughs) so you don't see us engage in anything political um, not because we we feel we don't have those feelings and that's really frustrating for me sometimes because I have such strong feelings and Mm -hmm. passions but I express those with my money and in the in the when I vote yeah but um I really feel like I can't be authentic with how I feel about things sometimes and that's exhausting but then I see the climate and people getting into these arguments and just showing the utter nastiness of themselves and I'm like on the internet I am so thankful yeah exactly (laughs) um well do you ever feel that pressure like you and I know you've mentioned things before like about your cosplay like people you you don't know what they're gonna think about it oh yeah well and I've just I'm kind of in the same boat where I just reached that point, I guess, where it was transparent enough and I was upfront enough about like, this is the package and it's not for everybody and that's okay. Yeah. And you know, that I, I do have that luxury of living in a place where I can go to Kroger and have my hair undone and be in my cowboy boots and (laughs) sometimes look like a homeless person, not going to (laughs) lie. And, um, you know, people don't bat an eye at that. So I think realizing that sometimes that pressure was also self-imposed where, you know, nobody was necessarily saying, Megan, we expect you to do this, that, or the other thing. But I was putting that on myself with those own questions and pressures of what are they going to think and what's their reaction going to be. And some of it's just been training myself to just be conscious of knowing that I was up front. You knew what you were getting. And if you don't like it, that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, this is 
this is who I am and, and it does feel so much more comfortable to live where you're not performing and having yeah. to put on a show and having to be happy all the time and and I think that's what is awesome about the podcast and the things that we've gotten to do it's probably an outlet for both of us in it some is. way it is absolutely I don't feel <laughs> like, like we're psychoanalyzing why we've been doing this for a year <laughs> but it makes sense when you think of it that way yeah it's cathartic for sure and you have a podcast right yeah, we do. Well, it's kind of like a YouTube channel more than a pod. We call it a podcast, but it's not really audio. It's uh, my boyfriend and I. It's kind of we brought our old show back to to life, and it's the uh, Return of the Man with two ends, which um, we have a lot of fun. We bring his kids on, and we do challenges and stupid stuff, and and that's where actually I get a lot of outlet out because we've got two characters that are named Ernest and Edna in there. They're kind of like in the light of Stephen Colbert back when he was on Comedy Central, that vein of comedy. They're kind of like the church lady. And so we just, we put on makeup and wigs and we vent out all the the crappy things we want to say and then we let it go and then we go on. And so it's like, I don't get it out on air and it's nice and and it it stays there. And it's like, I, I put it in a place where it's like, that's a character. If it offends you, we go so absurd with it that like, if it offends you, you're the problem and I don't care. Like I've, I've started to... I used to really worry about, well, what if someone doesn't like me because I think this way? And I'm like, no, I know I'm a good person at the end of the day. And I know that I'm on the right side of things most of the time or trying to be at least. And so and to hear other people. Too, yeah. And to be open yeah. to hear other people. Yeah, exactly. Be- like, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm a person and I'm willing to treat people like people. And if you don't like me for one thing I see or think or believe then that's you got your own set of issues you should work out at that point you know I saw a quote about that that's awesome (laughs) on our our social but I saw something the other day Lena Dunham actually mentioned it on a podcast with Dax Shepard yeah I I love Dax he's my new favorite he's hilarious but um she was talking about a book that she was reading and I'll have to look up the author but the author basically said if you think feminism is meaning that all women should get along and like each other, that's not true. Then you are basically pushing feminism down to saying that all women are likable, and that's the ultimate trait that we're looking for is being congenial. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but anyway, I thought, wow, that's really true because sometimes in my feminist self, I've been upset with myself for not feeling a connection with another female or feeling not so nice feelings. And it's like, wait a minute, it's not my job to be likable all the no. time, even though that's what was, what I was raised to be. Was sure. Likeable. You know, it was like, wow, how freeing is that? I don't have to like everybody. Yeah. And not everybody has to like me. Woo. It's okay to, to have, it's, as long as you're not going out and purposely being a jerk, you know, it's, it's fine. I think to be yourself and, and let yourself kind of, air out your your own interests and your wills and wants and wishes as long as you're not harming anybody and that's the way I always look at it if you're harmful to other people then yeah absolutely knock it off you know but we have to all cut ourselves some slack about being perfect like you're just not always going to say the perfect thing at the perfect time and you know sometimes you might come off a certain way and and I think we all have good intentions and just cutting each other a little bit of slack and Mm -hmm. cutting ourselves the equal (laughs) amount of slack to not and that's helpful too to look at another person and go this is probably not their best day that's okay give them a break you know because i don't want to be around you right now but i'm not going to judge you based on this this one thing yeah and it doesn't mean like every woman you're going to meet you're going to be like the yaya sisterhood yeah exactly yeah that's okay but you just have to you know find keep going till you find your person Mm -hmm. or people and you know not put that pressure on yourself that it's all supposed to be like we're marching into battle and arm in arm with every single person we meet 
Um, that was very freeing for me. So yeah, I really you're, like you're that. absolutely right. Um, I'll look that up so I can give the author proper credit. Um, <laughs> before we go, and I want to ask you what you want to talk to wrap up, but before sure. we go, um, I wanted to ask you about context. Context is super important in what we do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and Megan, as a CEO, learned a lot about context. Whether you studied it intentionally or not, <laughs> yeah. you learned a lot about context. Sometimes so, learned the hard way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Speaking so, of not always being perfect. <laughs> I want our listeners to understand, to go back to what you said about sometimes right before you crack the mic, you'll have no idea what you're going to say. Um, and I don't want them to think that you don't prepare because you do. We oh, no, there's a, a lot of, ton of time preparation. Preparing. So preparation is super important. But I think it's important to talk about context because whether you're speaking in front of a group of people at a professional seminar, mm-hmm. you're speaking to employees, if you're a CEO, you're speaking to coworkers, or you're speaking to thousands of listeners, context is some, one of the most important things you can do. You can come in with a PowerPoint <laughs> and look out at your audience and realize that's not what they need. Yeah. And so you've been prepared. It's just sometimes before you crack the mic, you're just not 100% sure yet yeah. what you're ready to express. And sometimes I have doubts of, of the ideas of what I think is funny versus what a 42-year-old male is going to think is funny. And, and you know, I, there is some obvious disconnect from my main obvious audience in the sense of I don't have that point of view. But I think that... A lot of it's just been taking that leap and being afraid to have a bad break. Every once, every once in a while, you're, you're not going to bat a thousand, and that's okay. You know, you're going you're gonna to hit one on the ground, and it's going to flop around, and it's going to be a little embarrassing, and then you just dust yourself off and say, F it, I'm going to do the next one perfect, and that's fine. And I think that's a lot of the struggle of just not letting that little voice in the back of your head tell you you can't do it. Because it's easy in a business like this, because there's always someone that wants to tear you down or tell you you can't do something or you can't accomplish something, because... There's always one person that hates your radio station. You could give a million dollars to charity. You can pet every puppy you pass on the street. You can kiss every baby. And there'll be that one guy that's like, I hate you because your voice is high-pitched. I've gotten emails like that. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? Take testosterone? I'm like, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really. And it's it's about not letting that. Because I've seen both ends of the spectrum. You can let it get under your skin. And then be like, well my voice sucks and I hate everything and or, or get offended. I've seen people get, you know, a lot of dudes will get really mad when you attack them. And it's like, you got to learn to just, yeah, it's your opinion. And, and I go back to something I used to tell, um, the folks when I, I managed a Panera bread early in my radio days. Cause you know, you start part time. And so I was managing Panera while I was, um, working radio. And I used to tell my employees when someone was really ugly to them, I would just look at them. I'm like, listen, that person had such a bad day that they had to yell at you about tomato being on their sandwich. So remember that context and remember and be thankful that's not where your day is and don't let it bother you. That person needs a hug really bad. Yeah. And you just have to let it go and not let it, because it's like your first instinct is to fight back. Like, screw you, it's just a tomato. But it's, <laughs> it's you know, and I, there are days I did it, you know. There's days you just snap and you can't take it. And, you know, I, I cussed a guy out over bacon one time. It was terrible and embarrassing, and I'm not proud of it. But I think it's that it, I always had to step back and take, like, a, like you said, the context of, this guy's had a really bad day to be that angry about bacon. I'm just going to give him the bacon and let him get the hell away from me. That's Not all I want at this point is You're just like, to take go it. away. Take, here's the whole tub. You, you'd be so... I can see why you're so good at your job, though, because to not have that ego, 
I can see that getting in the way, especially maybe of so many men in this oh, yeah. business, that that probably gives you such a huge advantage to have this attitude of um, a little bit of the Teflon of, I'm not going to let it stick. And, yeah. and that is something <laughs> I, I need that. to like, spray myself Teflon. down with that every I'm day like, before I'm not I go gonna, out the door. I have, zero, I have zero Fs to give today, and that's and that's how I have to do it. And I think it's halfway a protection method because in radio, it's any day you can come into work and then you don't work here anymore, and there's nothing you did. It's just that's what someone far away that doesn't know you decided. And so it's like you kind of have to have almost that as a protection and also as a, a means of sanity. Because like I said, I've seen people just megalomaniac themselves out of the business because they thought they were so important. And you are so irreplaceable just like every other job. And it's you got to be a good person, you know? Yeah. What was the ma- – I have to quote you on the tomato thing. What was it again? Um <laughs> <laughs> I try to remember. We both now. got up like we're all, we've all been up for a really long time today. So yeah, I was like, like I'm gonna like, like it's just a tomato. Over Twelve hours. Yeah. It's just a tomato. It's not important. <laughs> it needs to be on a t-shirt. It's, it's just <laughs> a tomato. It really is. And you know, I think some guys, especially in radio, get a bad shake um, because they don't know how to deal with um, their confidence issues. Sure. And so they replace it with what what they've learned, which is bravado. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily. Some guys are. People will act ugly, but no, I think I think it's definitely a defense mechanism it's, for some people absolutely. to like because it's it's easy to be, especially with comedians or radio people or anything like that. It's easy to be down on yourself, but you can't be, and you're not allowed to be. So you have to channel it in some weird, messed up way to get it out of your system, and that's some people's outlet. Yeah, and and I've seen it a lot too, and I'm like, well, outside of work, that guy's really cool. Yeah. I like him, but at work, it's like, why does he feel like he has to beat his chest? You know, and and I really feel like some guys do get a bad shake because they don't know because society really hasn't taught them, and yeah. their home lives haven't taught them to say, hey, you know, I can be vulnerable. Yeah. I can say, I'm new at this. I don't know, or I'm. This is my first morning show by myself. Um, interact with me, and I really saw you do that. Like you took your fans and you just scooped them up and gave them a big hug, and they responded because people love big hugs. Yeah. Well, that's that's always the way. I've always treated it as I'm your friend in the passenger seat next to you. Like I'm not trying to be some megalomaniac voice over the airwaves telling you how to live your life. I just want to be there to make people's mornings a little bit easier to get in because I remember growing up listening to a radio morning show that's still on in Lexington, and I love them for it, but they did the same thing for me where it was just that, like, my day didn't revolve around it, but every day I got up, and I remember they took them off the air for a little while, and it was so upsetting because it was that one little, it's kind of like your your hash browns and your Diet Coke. It's that <laughs> one little constant that you know those people are going to be there to talk you into it and wake you up and get your life together, and... If I can make one person's day 10% better, totally worth getting up every single morning. It's totally worth the overdraft and the crappy credit and the, <laughs> and the, the misery at times of this business. But it's, you know, it's, it's the, that moment when someone sees you in Thornton's when you have your hair in a bun and you've got four bags of Funyuns and you're trying not to be judged and they're like, I love you. And you're like, you love me even though I have four bags of Funyuns? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I do. And so it's, it makes it worthwhile. It makes all the people yelling at you about their tomatoes. Yeah, it was totally worth it. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, it, it, gosh, oh, buzzing up so fast. Yeah, this is, I, I feel like we've been talking for five minutes, maybe. Um, before we go, is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners about uh, your journey or if they want to pursue broadcasting or if they're afraid? What would you tell them? Just do it. You know, it's there's so many paths and so many ways to do things in life, and this was not the route I was going when I started. I wanted to be a photojournalist. I wanted to do all these other things. I was going to be behind the scenes. And 
I think the one thing I've learned and going out there and into the world is that as long as you're prepared for whatever life throws at you, you're going to land just fine. And you may not land where you thought you're going to land. You'll probably land somewhere better. And I think that's been like the greatest thing that I've figured out in 30 years is just never get stagnant, never be stale and never allow someone to tell you, you can't do something. Because they're advice. like, you don't know how to do it. And they're like, try me. Be the Swiss Army knife. Game on. Yeah, I'm the Swiss Army knife. We need Game a bunch on. of pink Swiss Army knives now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> The Boss Lady Coaching Podcast is brought to you by Fort Knox Federal Credit Union, people helping people. If you heard something helpful or enjoyable today, please share. All rights to this podcast belong to Holly Sexton, Megan Stith, and podcast guests. Copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.